stand by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsey. Ah, uh, this is Craig Morgan. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Well, if you've listened to this show at all, you know that we've been doing it nearly one full year. And Wyoming Game and Fish Department has been on board as well as Rocky Mountain Discount Sports for the entire year. When we started the show out last August, we started it with kind of a state of the outdoors with Game and Fish. We're doing that again today. We have got some of our main cast of characters, Janet Millick, Matt Hahn, Matt Pollock, Justin Benfant, and Brian Olson will all be here and we'll talk outdoors and what's going on with the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Plus, Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports and I get into a pretty uh, informative fishing chat. It's all going on. Now, if you've missed any of the shows in the last year, you can listen on demand at the My Country 95.5 app. On Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby on My Country 95.5. Hooking and Hunting Outdoors on My Country 95.5. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, and we're moving up on one year of this show. And throughout the year, Wyoming Game and Fish Department has been a huge part, and we have our main cast of characters with us today. And that's one of the great parts is we've been able to touch a little bit of everything inside Game and Fish. We obviously have Janet Miller, who is always with us. Yeah, you know, Drew, congratulations on a full year, and, and Game and Fish really appreciates you and the opportunity to help us get our information out. As information specialists for the Casper region, you know we have a lot of very complex issues, and, and it's always great to have, you know, our content experts in the room. So thanks, Drew, and again, congratulations. Uh, we have uh, Matt Hahn, who has given us a, a lot of information over the last year about uh, the fishing. And Matt, we'll start with you today as we're to the point of the year where it's it's getting really hot. And how is the fishing looking like so far in the reservoirs, in uh, the river, and, and all around the ponds? Uh, you know, Drew, fishing's pretty good all around the region right now. Um, we are starting to see elevated temperatures on a few places. Um some of the smaller creeks and small ponds and reservoirs. Um, we're starting to get a few reports of people seeing some dead fish, and that's not terribly unexpected in a drought year like this where water lo- levels are pretty low and, and we've had some pretty hot days. But, you know, in the river, stays cold, being a tailwater, and it's got good flow. Fishing's been excellent um, in all the river reaches and, and the bigger reservoirs, you know, the Pathfinders and Glendos and so on. Um, fishing's been really great. Uh, it's been off the charts good for walleye this year. Um, trout fishing in the river is great. So yeah, it's, we're cooking along pretty good right now. You were talking about some fish that were, were dying. What are a, a couple of quick ways that people can do their part and make sure that we're not seeing an excess amount of fish dying? You know, our biggest advice to folks is to fish early in the morning when the water temperatures are the coldest. Uh, carry a thermometer, uh, monitor water temperature. Don't try and catch and release trout when the water temperature is over 70 degrees. And just kind of be aware of if you're catching and releasing a lot of fish out of warm water, you're probably killing them killing quite a pile of them. So 
Um, a lot of it is just due diligence on the part of the angler to make sure they're they're using the best practices. And one of the things, Drew, that's so crazy about the conversation you're having with Matt is Justin Benfit, our next speaker. Gosh, we were on three weeks ago, and we were talking about how fantastic the country looked. And, and while some places were facing drought and, and others were not, we were looking pretty good around here. And so things can change so quickly, and, and that's exactly what, what has happened here. Justin We'll we'll move on to you on this one. Have you noticed a, a big issue with drought when it comes to any of the wildlife in uh, you know in the area? Would that be deer or antelope or you know even uh, the sightings that we've seen of mountain lions or, or black bears? Yeah, Drew. You know it's been it's been kind of a mixed bag. Like Janet said, when we talked, a lot of the Casper area, you know, in our region goes clear up to the Black Hills. But if we're focusing in the Casper area. You know, we, we got a lot of moisture in in May and, and a little bit in early June. And so compared to the last couple of years, we had some country really greened up a whole lot better than it has compared to the last two years, which were extraordinarily dry. Um, so things were kind of on the up and up. Um, we do expect some pretty decent fawn production out of our deer and antelope herds. But, but like Janet said, you know, things have really taken a turn for – for uh, hotter, drier weather conditions the last few weeks and, and really no relief on the horizon as far as the forecast goes. So fortunately for wildlife, a lot of the forage they, they depend on um, relies on spring moisture for growth, which we did get, but country's turning brown pretty quick now. And so um, it cannot bode well as, as these pregnant females go into the winter months and for trying to carry a fawn for the next year, but we'll just kind of see where we're at. Deer numbers are still down, antelope Numbers were down, but I think we're turning a little bit of a corner and we're starting to rebuild antelope in parts of the region, which are good. And, and as always, our elk numbers are, are still really strong. With the uh, the water kind of dry, drying up, that's when the issue with disease kind of becomes a factor as they kind of move all together and there's less water to, to drink of, right? Yeah, unfortunately, last year was kind of the perfect storm of a really dry summer um, and then a really warm fall. And is what that did is it just made ideal breeding conditions for these little midges that spread a disease called EHD or epizootic hemorrhagic disease. And that that really took its toll on our whitetail populations, especially from Casper to Douglas, but also up in the Black Hills as well. And we, we saw deer dying clearing in November, which is much later than than this disease um, normally is, is running. So the numbers that, that came back this year, we obviously have less licenses that are out this year. Will that help in next year's population and growth? Well, with antelope, um, certainly as our antelope populations have, have declined in over the last few years, we have cut, just in our region, boy, we've cut over 15,000 antelope licenses. So we, we certainly take that harvest pressure off the females and, and allow these herds to, to build back. In a lot of cases, we had too many antelope prior to a few years ago, so we were hunting them pretty hard. Now with deer, we were really conservative, so not much has changed there. Um, and with elk, we're always just trying to um, harvest as many elk we can, as we can in most of the region. And as always, Drew, we'll be spending some more time talking with you about all of the intricacies of hunting seasons as we get closer. I mean, it's hard to believe that just a few weeks away. You know, August 15th, archery antelope seasons and even a few cow-calf elk seasons going on. So it's right around the corner. All right. Uh, the State of the Outdoors with Wyoming Game and Fish Department will continue. We still have some great guests coming up in just a few minutes. My Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 955. 
And we're back. Of course, if you miss any of the show or any of the last almost 52 shows that we've done, you can listen inside the My Country 95.5 app. You can go all the way back to the very beginning and listen to uh, basic uh, the Wyoming Game and Fish Department explaining what we're going to talk about for the next year. And by God, we talked about every bit of it over uh, the last 52 weeks. So it's very cool. And now, Janet, we have a couple more guests. Matt Pollock and Brian Olson, who uh, are a couple of our star players every uh, every week. Uh, Matt Pollock, who basically is in charge of the access areas around central Wyoming. And uh, Matt, it's been an interesting summer so far, hasn't it? Yeah, Drew, to piggyback on what uh, Justin was talking about earlier, we just implemented a fire ban in uh, Natrona and Converse counties. This will affect all Wyoming Game and Fish Commission owned and managed lands. And as you know, uh, primarily those are split into uh, two types of areas, uh, public access areas and wildlife habitat management areas. The public access areas are exactly uh, that. They are places where the public can gain access uh, oftentimes for, for fishing, but uh, in a few cases hunting as well. In a situation like this where the fire ban comes into play, what are some examples of why someone would start a fire in, in these areas? Because they're not really camping areas per se, are they? Most of them are not, uh, at least in the Casper region. You can go onto the Wyoming Game and Fish internet website and, uh, and see what type of activities that are allowed or not allowed in those areas. There is only one area in uh, Casper region that, that we allow some limited camping, and that is our Bixby public access area, which is uh, east of, of Glenrock. All the other access areas in the Casper region, uh, there is no camping allowed. As well, there would be no campfires or fireworks uh, allowed on any of those areas either. So Matt, you did mention that a lot of these, these areas are fishing areas. So family comes out and they're, you know, just fishing and comes time for lunch and they break out a barbecue grill and, and start up a, a barbecue. Is, is that okay with this fire ban? Right now uh, we have what are called level one fire restrictions in place. You can use a, a, a charcoal or uh, gas grill as long as you uh, use that within and clear an area uh, a 15 foot radius around that area of all burnable materials. Of course, you can go to wgfd.wild.gov to find out more about the fire restriction. And Matt, real quick while I have you, how's the work on the graffiti and the destruction in some of the access areas going? I've tried to get around and uh, either paint over or replace all those, but it it is somewhat of an ongoing, uh, constantly monitoring activity for me, but we're, we're pretty limited and we can't be at all places at all times. So when people see, see that kind of activity going on, uh, call WGFD tips and report that information and maybe we can get some convictions and perhaps the uh, incidences would go down. Awesome. Thank you very much, Matt. Now, our final guest today, Brian Olson. Brian, how's it going? Hey, Drew. How's it going, man? Great, Brian. It's been a, a while since we've had you on the show, but uh, you're the guy with all the information that I need about uh, boating safety because we're in the middle of summer, and I I've noticed a lot of boats heading to, like, Alcova and, and all around, and, and sometimes I see folks without their life preservers on. Yeah, no doubt, especially not only at the reservoirs, but, you know, right here in town on the river, it's getting much more popular as the summer goes along. It's 
a little bit warmer every day. Uh, the water gets a little bit warmer, so there's a lot of kayaks, a lot of tubes out there. And and safety, of course, is the first thing. That's why they have those life jacket um, stations at every one of the pullouts, you know, when you're on the river to put your put in your um, you know, your kayak and take it out, make sure you borrow a life jacket and then hang it up when you get out. You know, those are very important to have, especially when the water is cranking like the way it is now. You really flow down that river pretty fast. And if you do fall out of your kayak or off your inner tube, it um, and that water's a little chilly, it really kind of scares people quite a bit. And you can get sick on, sucked under pretty fast. So it's one of those things is make sure that you have life jackets with you. I highly recommend you wearing them. Because, like, say, once you flip, that life jacket's probably floating down the river along with, as long as, you know, right next to your um, kayak. So make sure that you're, you know, you're just going with a group of people so they can keep an eye on each other. I've actually been talking to a lot of people that have been floating the river for decades and didn't really realize that they needed to take precautions when they pulled that uh, kayak or tube or their shoes out of the river and out of the water because of the aquatic invasive species that is such an important thing here in Wyoming. So they didn't know that they needed to do extra steps once they got out, but they really do. Most certainly. I mean, you know, you know, clean and dry type of thing. Make sure you're spraying off that mud and get all that taken care of before you go back to the water. And, you know, that's that, that AIS program that we have. You know, kayaks, canoes have to have that AIS sticker, and that helps pay for, you know, the program to kind of prevent that from coming into the state. Well, lady and gentlemen, it's been a great state of the outdoors, and I think we're just going to have to do this every year just so we can kind of, you know, revisit everybody in the same room. I mean, we, we don't get together like this all the time. And But, Drew, uh, you know, it, it has been a great year, and, again, we really appreciate you, and we hope to have some new cast of characters on as we move throughout the this new year. And so maybe next year we'll have 30 of us sitting here talking to you. That's a lot of red shirts for sure. Absolutely. It's no hunting outdoors. My country, 95.5. Hey, it's Drew and Brian, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And Brian, we were just chatting about outdoor water fun. Uh, you've been out fishing all summer long, and you've seen a, a lot of folks out there on the water. And, and you say it's, it's up pretty high this year. Yeah, water uh, water levels on the river right now through Casper are good. They're you know taking a lot of that water out of Pathfinder, pushing it down through Glendo, and uh, they just got done with a silt run down at Guernsey. So that water now is coming out of uh, Glendo to refill Guernsey. So we're seeing uh, the reservoir system's taking a pretty good hit right now, but uh, that means the river's flowing high and uh, lots of lots of fun to be had in town. Yeah, I, so here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, you think about uh, what Rocky Mountain sports we have. You know, you think hiking and camping and, and outdoor fun, but water sports, uh, that's so huge here. Yeah, you know, anybody that's uh, gone across Robertson Road or down to Murad Park, you know, on a Saturday afternoon can just see a ton of people that are floating down the river. So um, just real relaxing, you know, a couple-hour float. You can go from Murad to... Oh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, down to old, like old town by the old Parkway Plaza area. I guess it's a Clarion now. Um, but there's lots of, lots of access points where a guy can put in, take out, you know, they shuttle themselves, drop one vehicle off at one spot, uh, get a, get an inner tube or, you know, we carry little two man rafts, you know, um, just just to have a good afternoon of just floating and, you know, absorbing the sun. Uh, and, of course, kayaks. You guys have a line of kayaks here in the store, too. 
Yeah, we're carrying uh, Pelican uh, kayaks this year and uh, all the life jackets and accessories that you would need for that stuff as well. One of the questions I just asked you was, you know, we all think back to when we were kids and all you had were those uncomfortable <laughs> foam orange right. life jackets. But now they're really more advanced and, you know, even you were telling me for kayaking uh, that they have them cut out and they have them specially made like that. Yeah, there's some uh, specialty uh life jackets that are designed so that when you're you know paddling a kayak that you're not rubbing your armpits and you know rubbing your arms raw from from that kind of stuff and just ones that are a little more comfortable for different situations including like the self-inflating ones that you know a lot of guys will wear when they're fishing and that's one of the things that i have the biggest problem is neckties anything around my neck i just don't like it uh but if you have those and they even have the belts now that that are you know approved right. that you can use and yeah and we see you know every year you know the white water park through casper here they um you know there's there's always you know somebody that's getting themselves in a bind because they weren't wearing their life jacket so you know wearing those life jackets is extremely important you know even though the, the water doesn't seem like it's real fast or maybe really deep in certain areas but it's it's super important to make sure you got the proper uh, safety equipment so if water isn't your thing but maybe hiking and camping is boy the uh, outdoor section i stopped and, and i look and every time i'm like Let's see, I need to get one of those and one of those. Right. You guys have a lot of stuff in here. We do. It's horrible working here. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something. You're like, yeah, I could use a set of snowshoes. Or, you know, right now it's, you know, a new set of hiking boots or a nice trekking pole or, you know, a camelback so you can have your hydration on you and, and carry a snack with you at the same time. So... Uh, yeah, we, we've got just about everything you need, and there's there's just so much good stuff to do locally. Uh, get out here and, and check this out. Now, if you are fishing, uh, full line of fishing license and all the stamps that you need uh, here, because that's important. You don't have to pay a fine. Right, yeah. I think it's a $250 fine for not having a license on you so or having a license in general. So uh, definitely uh, it's a lot easier to pay for that daily. Yeah, spending that, you know, <laughs> 20 bucks or whatever it is, you know, that, that's a lot cheaper. But get out here and check it out. Uh, and don't fear because there's lots of items in this store that, that you're going to need for your outdoor summer fun here in Wyoming. You wait. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Well, Brian, July is upon us. You've been fishing. You actually uh, tournaments have been uh, winding down for you, and and uh, you know we're getting to the part now where you can go fishing and you know not have to really worry about other things. Right. Uh, you got your boat back. You you know how was that? Going without a boat for a couple of weeks was. It was tough. <laughs> Fortunately, I have good friends that have boats, so let me borrow them occasionally. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of one of the things you and I, we've talked a lot about this, where uh, when you're fishing from a boat, you have a little advantage over people that are fishing uh, from the shorelines. But uh, it's it's a pretty comfort factor, too, because you have multiple setups on uh, multiple poles. Yeah, and, we, and it's funny because, you know, we were, we were just talking and joking about it, but, you know, the... The average guy that's in a in a boat, especially if they're walleye fishing, is in a boat casting to shore. And if you're on shore, you're casting out as far as you can. So, um, you know, right now, those especially depending on what the water's doing, um, you know, sometimes we're just fishing too deep. But as the summer goes on and the water heats up, you know, sometimes we have to go a little bit deeper. But the comfort level for a boat definitely is nice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, so, and and I did mention that. In your boat, you have multiple <laughs> options to, you know, so you don't have to keep rebaiting and you can use a different pole for everyone. And well, I think 
the the advantage of having the multiple rods is to is to have multiple presentations, right? So uh, somebody was asking me today, you know, like, well, who do you think's gonna you know do the best at this particular lake at this time? And really, the person that's the most diversified is the guy that's going to win it, you know. So, and they're, they're going to they're going to be more successful. I mean, if you're going to sit in one spot on the shore and you're not willing to move up and down the shoreline and 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 try different things, different presentations, you're you're probably going to just be okay with drinking your six pack of beer and calling it good. So, someone like me that is a once in a while fisherman and someone like you that fishes regularly, mm-hmm. what's the best way to kind of remember what what you have because you know, it, it's hard for you know me to be like, oh man, I should have used that one when right. you could have been like, oh, I'm grabbing that one. You know, I I know quite a few guys that keep an actual journal from year to year. They record everything from the date to water temperature, water levels, uh, water clarity. They record how many fish they caught, what parts of the lake they caught them. Reservoir fishing, in particularly, I mean, it it just has some pretty unique characteristics and repeating patterns on how people catch fish. You know, the river system's the same way. You know, when the, when they drop the river down to such and such flow, uh, you know, there's so there's there's a certain kind of bug hatch that happens in the morning. There's a different bug hatch that happens in the afternoon. Uh, when the water water levels get higher and they're they're flowing at three and four thousand, now there's more weeds that are under the water so it's a different hatch that comes on and just being on the water and, and kind of watching what's going on around you it helps you identify what you need to do it's just like anything if you're hunting a lot of times you'll set trail cameras out so that you get the the routines of the animal so you know when when to hunt and the same thing with fishing right i mean i look at especially walleye fishing real similar to elk hunting right you know we sit here and look at the beautiful caster mountain all day long and we go man there's there's an elk population up there but how often do we see them you know you know they're up there, but you don't know where they're at, where they're going to feed, when they're going to feed, when they're going to bed down. And fishing's the same way. You know they're in the water. You know a little harder to see, um, but you know they're there. So you have to find you know what what the best time to fish for them, when those fish are going to be feeding, when they're going to be moving, what type of structures. You know, like if you're a, if you're an elk, you know there's certain times a day they go out into the into the open fields, right, to to feed. And there's the rest of the time they're hidden down in that deep timber and. Walleye fishing is real similar. Sometimes they're out there cruising the shallow bays, but then there's other times they're stuck deep into the timber or that or those weed beds, and and it's just a matter of like, well, how am I going to hunt them? You know, am I going to am I going to try and do that slow crawl approach through the through the t- dark timber, or am I going to throw a, a twister tail through all this cabbage and try to try to get them out of there? Well, uh, as always, Brian, thanks for the insight, and, and it's always fun to to talk and and kind of figure things out, and and that's one of the fun parts of uh, hunting and fishing is figuring it out and, and feeling it out. Yeah, you know, and I mean, every day I'm talking to people that are, you know, hey, I've tried this, I've tried that, I'm not catching fish, what do you recommend, where should I go? And, you know, there's there's a, a good, you know, nobody ever wants to give up their favorite, their honey hole, right? But uh, usually presentations that are working on one part of the reservoir are going to work somewhere else. And, you know, watching people, listening to people, um just uh, you know, come on in. We'll we'll talk about it and give you give you some ideas. And as as long as it's not tournament week, you'll uh, share some ideas. Yeah, I'm not fishing them, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have any uh, any questions that you would like to approach Brian with, or anyone here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, and maybe you need new equipment, this is the place to get it. Get out here and check it out. If you've missed any of our episodes, you can check them out inside the My Country 95.5 app. Listen on demand. 
Brian, again, thank you so much. We'll see you again next week. Pass.